Peace be upon you. So one of the most egregious acts of blatant idol worship that is rampant throughout the Muslim communities is the practice of salawat. For those who aren't familiar, salawat is the sendings of peace and blessings upon the Prophet and the family of the Prophet. Now some people might ask, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with sending peace and blessings to the Prophet? And if you see the reasons to why people do this, and then the frequency of why they do this, it becomes that much more apparent to individuals. You step inside a masjid or a congregation, and you see that when something good happens, individuals rather than glorifying God, saying Allahu Akbar, uh, they resort to doing salawat and sending peace and blessings to the Prophet and the family of the Prophet. And when they're pressed to why they do this, the justification they give is they say, well, look, the Prophet is in a better position, and by sending peace and blessings to him, it's going to allow us to draw closer, not to God, but to the Prophet. And this is in complete contradiction to the Quran. God tells us in Surah 39, verse 3, it says, Absolutely, the religion shall be devoted to God alone. Those who set up idols beside him say, We idolize them only to bring us closer to God, for they are in a better position. God will judge them regarding their disputes. God does not guide such a liar's disbelievers. This verse crushes that argument that we need to set up intermediaries between us and God. The beauty of the message in the Quran is that it's telling us we have a direct relationship between us and our Creator, that we don't need to go through any intermediaries, that there is no intercession, that our outcome, our ability to be redeemed back into God's kingdom is 100% up to God alone. Secondly, individuals, again, when pressed to why they do salawat, they give the prophet powers of omniscience, godlike powers, where they think that by sending salawat, that the prophet is going to hear these salawat and then is going to intervene on the day of judgment for his uh, uh, followers. But again, this is in stark contrast to the Quran. God tells us that when someone crosses that barrier into the hereafter, that they have no clue what's taking place in this world. We have the example in Surah 5, verse 116 through 117 regarding Jesus on the day of resurrection. It reads, God will say, O Jesus, son of Mary, did you say to the people, make me and my mother idols beside God? He will say, be you glorified. I could not utter what was not right. Had I said it, you already would have known it. You know my thoughts. I do not know your thoughts. You know all secrets. I told them only what you commanded me to say, that you shall worship God, my Lord and your Lord. I was a witness among them for as long as I lived with them. When you terminated my life on earth, you became the watcher over them. You witness all things. Jesus has no clue that there's millions of people worshiping him, that they're calling him God incarnate, that they're calling him the son of God, a part of a trinity. He's completely oblivious to all of this. To think that Muhammad is going to hear the prayers of his constituency, of his supposed followers, and be able to intercede on their behalf on the day of resurrection is giving powers of omniscience to Muhammad. Muhammad is not a godlike figure. He cannot hear the prayers. The only entity in this entire universe who's able to hear every single call, every single prayer is that of God alone. God tells us a test in the Quran to determine if we're true believers or if we're hypocrites or disbelievers. It's stated in Surah 39, verse 45. It says, when God alone is mentioned, the hearts of those who do not believe in the hereafter shrink with aversion. 
But when others are mentioned beside him, they become satisfied. If we truly believe in God alone, we should be 100% satisfied with only mentioning God's name in our prayers, in our supplications, in our commemoration. If we're only satisfied when the names of other entities are placed beside God, then it shows that we do not worship God alone. It doesn't matter if we say it's the servant of God. Monotheism is all or nothing. Either we worship God alone 100% or we don't. There is no in-between. When you go inside a mosque or a masjid and you see people commemorating the name of other entities beside God, no matter how righteous they are, we're breaking this fundamental commandment. God tells us in Surah 72 verse 18, it says, The places of worship belong to God. Do not call on anyone else beside God. If we're mentioning other names beside God at our places of worship, we are breaking this fundamental commandment. We are setting up another entity beside God. This is the fundamental reason that doing salawat is such a blatant act of idol worship. And for the sake of our own souls, we should refrain from this, that we should dedicate all our worship practices absolutely to God alone. Now, the verse that individuals use to justify this practice comes from Surah 33, verse 56. And for the sake of this conversation, I'm just going to use the term salawat rather than its derivative uh, conjugations just for simplicity of understanding. And it reads, God and his angels, salawat the prophet, O you who believe, you shall salawat him as well, and greet him as he should be greeted. So the question is, is this verse telling us to commemorate and glorify the prophet, or is there something else at hand? What's interesting is if we just go a few verses before, in Surah 33, verse 41 through 43, we read the following. O you who believe, you shall remember God frequently. You shall glorify Him day and night. Notice that God is telling us that the glorification, the remembrance, must be to God alone. Now what's interesting is you see the same root used in Surah 33, verse 43. It says, he is the one who salawats you together with his angels to lead you out of darkness into the light. He is most merciful towards the believers. Now, it's worth pointing out that this you is the plural you. In Arabic, you have the singular you, which is targeted towards an individual, and the plural you, which is a general. And this uses the plural you. So when it states that God is sending salawat to the believers, are we to think that God is commemorating the believers, that God is calling their names? when he does this? No. This is indicating that this word in this context has a specific meaning. So what does this word salawat mean? The word salawat can have one of two meanings, and it depends on which root is applied to this word. If we apply the root sad, lam, wow, this is the same root that is used for the concept of prayer or supplication or sending of blessings. If instead we apply the root Wow, sod, lam, then this is the same root as the word salat, which means to make connections, or in this context would be to help or support. But irrespective which root is applied and which meaning is derived, you'll see that it doesn't change the overall function of this verse. That either we could read this verse in 3356 as God and his angels send blessings to the prophet. O you who believe, you shall send blessings to him as well and greet him as he should be greeted. That's one interpretation. The other one is God and his angels help and support the prophet. 
O you who believe, you shall help and support him and greet him as he should be greeted. Irrespective which root you apply to this word to garner either of these two meanings, it doesn't change the fundamental takeaway from the verse. That this verse is not commanding us to continuously glorify the prophet and the family of the prophet. So let's look at another verse that uses the term salawat, because this word only occurs a handful of times in this context in the Quran. In Surah 9, verse 99, it says, Other Arabs do believe in God in the last day. They consider their spending to be a means towards God and the salawat to the messenger. Indeed, it will bring them near. God will admit them into his mercy. God is forgiver, most merciful. So here, God is equating the spending of money as equivalent to a means of doing salawat for the, uh, the, 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 the messenger. Again, this is emphasizing that this is not commemorating the prophet or the family of the prophet, that these are individuals at that time that God is telling them that their spending in supporting the prophet in his endeavors was an obligation for them. And this is a form of salawat. It continues in 9.103, says, Take from their money a charity to purify them and sanctify them. And again, we see the same word salawat them. For your salawat reassures them. God is here omniscient. So now we're seeing that there is this trifecta at play, that God and his angels are sending salawat to the believers. The believers are sending salawat to the uh, prophet, and the prophet in turn is sending salawat back to the believers. This shows that it would be absurd to think that the prophet at the time was doing commemoration for the believers that when something good happened, he would send peace and blessings to the, uh, the, the specific believers and mention their names in his supplication. So there's something else at play. And this has to do with a fundamental concept in the Quran. If we look at Surah 33, verse 56 again, the term that's used is Nabi. Nabi means prophet. And throughout the Quran, you'll see that when God is referencing Nabi, prophet, that it only applies for when the prophet was living. And it's very clear even from this verse alone. Because the verse reads, God and his angels, salawat the prophet, O you who believe, you shall salawat him as well. And it says, and greet him as he should be greeted. Now, is it physically possible to greet someone who is dead? It's impossible. Therefore, this was a commandment for those people at that time, that when the prophet was carrying out his mission, it was an obligation for the people at that time to help him, either through spending and resources, or if they couldn't afford that, by praying for him to be able to fulfill his duty as God's prophet. We see this example in Surah 49, verse 2, that when the term Nabi is used, it's only in reference to the prophet when he was living. In Surah 49, verse 2, it reads, O you who believe, do not raise your voice above the voice of the prophet, and do not shout at him as you shout at each other, lest your works become nullified while you do not perceive. It is impossible to raise your voice above the voice of the prophet when the prophet is dead, just like it's impossible to shout at him when he is dead. This verse, just like 3356, only applied when he was alive amongst the believers. That once he passed, this verse no longer can be acted upon. That it was their duty to help and support him 
while he was alive. So not only is this verse not commanding people to continuously commemorate Muhammad and the family of Muhammad, God is telling us to do the opposite, that all our glorification should be focused 100% to God alone, that we should remember God morning and night and continuously glorify Him. The Hadith that claim that the Prophet told people to commemorate his name and his family is a complete fabrication, and it contradicts the verses of the Quran. In Surah 3, verse 79, it reads, Never would a human being whom God blessed with the scripture and prophethood say to the people, Idolize me beside God. Instead, he would say, Devote yourselves absolutely to your Lord alone according to the scripture you preach and the teachings you learn. God is confirming for us the words of the prophet in this scripture, that his message to his followers was devote yourselves absolutely to your Lord alone, that he would never set himself up as an entity to be continuously glorified that next to God, that this would be in complete contradiction to the message of God that he spent his life preaching of worshiping God alone. So to recap, God's religion is devoted to God alone. All our worship practices, our life, our death are 100% dedicated to God alone. That the only entity who can hear our prayers, hear all calls, is that of God. To assume that the prophet, after his death, can continuously hear every single believer's supplication is giving him God-like qualities and setting up partners next to God, which is a complete blasphemy. That the word Nabi, when used in the Quran, is an only reference to the Prophet while he was living. That once he passed, that those verses could no longer be applied. That in the verse itself, it says, and greet him as he should be greeted. That this can only be applicable while he's living. Just like Surah 49 verse 2 states, that do not raise your voice above the voice of the Prophet. That once the Prophet is dead, this verse can no longer be applied. That the word salawat used in Surah 33 verse 56 and used throughout the Quran is for those individuals to help and support the Prophet while he was living, either through financial means or through resources or by sending blessings and praying for him to be able to carry out God's mission that he had bestowed upon him. And that it's a complete fabrication to think of God's beloved Prophet would command his people to commemorate his name rather than commemorating God alone. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at QuranTalk at gmail.com. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, please download the Quran Study app on the iOS app store. If you don't have an iOS device, please go to QuranStudyApp.com website where you can find all the resources there. And if you like the podcast, please uh, leave us a review, share it with others. And until next time, peace and God bless.